It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. It is 71 degrees in Midtown Atlanta, and it is muggy. It is humid, folks. We had some downpours yesterday. Welcome to a Saturday morning. Hopefully it's going to be a little bit better, and uh, we'll get a break from all that rain we've had over the week. But I guess we needed it. We're coming out of a dry spell. So good Saturday morning. I'm glad you're here. Here for the next three hours, hosting Green and Growing, and with you as well. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. So you could maybe tell I was off last Saturday helping uh, get my high school friend and college roommate married off in Peachtree City. So I definitely missed you guys. Back for some fun today with Corey, with DeMarco. It's going to be a great show. I definitely have some uh, some guests planned and a lot of things to discuss with you guys. So if you follow the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, uh, almost a month ago, I posted a fun picture of some of my coworkers with little tomato plants. And I started tomato plants from seed. I was a little late. I think I did it around the 1st of March. And now, you know, thinking, I wasn't thinking at the time, what am I going to do with 30 or 40 tomato plants? All the seeds germinated. I had great success. And I have so many tomato plants. I think I only planted six in my own yard. So uh, last year as well, I gave them to coworkers. And I actually like forced coworkers to take them. I'm like, you need a tomato plant. I don't care where you live. I'll even give you a five-gallon bucket. Just take it. So one of my colleagues at B98.5 that does the morning show, Tad Lemire, was like, you should make this a contest. Like, you're giving out tomato plants. You should see who's going to grow the best tomatoes. And I was like, that? You're an FM DJ. You've been at this a long time. You're clever. That's brilliant. So... You maybe saw the picture of Chris Camp, our news director here at WSB, Mark Aram, my traffic colleague, uh, Tad Lemire from B98.5 right down the hall, and Judd Hickenbotham that does Atlanta's Morning News with Marcy Williams and Scott Slade. Uh, so those guys are now in a friendly but fierce competition to see, A, who can keep the tomato plant alive, God bless them, but B, who's going to have the best harvest. So no one has any flowers yet. No one has any fruit yet. Uh, we're a little behind the eight ball on that. That's my fault for giving them the plants so late, about a month ago. So uh, all of those guys are going to join me at the bottom of the hour at 6.30. And it's fascinating, just inside conversations, that they've shared with me kind of what they're learning, what their wives are telling them. They've read up on their little tomato plants. They're doing really well, so I'm proud of them. So if you want a good laugh, stick around for the bottom of the hour. And so Walter Reeves and Walter Wonders, you're used to hearing that at 6.30. Walter's going to call in and join us at 7.30. So that'll be a special treat for folks in the 7 o'clock hour that don't usually get to hear Walter Reeves, the former host of this show, back when he had the Lawn and Garden show on this very station for 26 years. Uh, Walter and I... I want to have a great conversation with him about insecticides. I've got questions. I don't use a lot of insecticides myself, but I want to make sure that when I do, I do it properly. And I'm using the right insecticide for the right chore, not hurting insects that I don't, you know, intentionally want to uh, to hold back. A lot of like manual removal when you have tomato hornworm and those kind of things, you know, there are some things you can combat without chemicals. I've heard if you put a yellow solo cup out in the garden, that attracts a certain kind of bug and, you know, put some Vaseline on it or something so they get stuck. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to avoid using insecticides, but when it is necessary, uh, Walter's got some tips on that. And then Pike Nursery is going to come along in the last hour of the show and talk to us about summer shade plants. And that is applicable for so many of you who, you know, we love our tree canopy here in the metro Atlanta area. So if you're just beating your head against a wall, you can't grow grass, you've tried 
maybe some of those be- uh, beautiful, bright summer annuals. They don't get enough sun. So you've got some options uh, with summer shade plants that are just really going to love, love the shade. So I saw an article recently, speaking of shade, I was really attracted to what this couple in Maryland did with their backyard. They replaced like their backyard lawn. They just weren't having any luck. They used ferns and sedges and violets and other native plants to Maryland to kind of help with runoff because it's a little bit of a slope, but just to have that green ground cover in their backyard. And it it was very successful, uh, you know, after they just gave up on lawn because it was too shady. So this article from the Humane Gardener went so much deeper than just that. So what it was, this couple in Maryland was attacked by their uh, homeowners association because the homeowners association had very strict bylaws about maintaining a lawn. Everything had to be uniform. And this couple didn't want to grow turf grass. They wanted native plants. They wanted a pollinator garden and all that kind of stuff. So the HOA comes after them and is like, look, you know, you're, you're not following the rules. This isn't uniform. People are complaining. It's attracting bugs. Well, of course, it's, it's attracting pollinators. That was kind of the intention. So they were taken to court. And it's, uh, it's actually just a fascinating article and kind of what they went through. But uh, the Maryland General Assembly stood by them and they passed a bill approving and making it okay. You know, low impact landscaping was fine. It's actually better for the environment. I don't think anybody was arguing against that. So just really, really neat when you think about it. So I kind of wanted to start off with that. Uh, if you have had just crazy HOA stories in regards to the things you want to plant, or maybe you do have five-gallon buckets lined up on the driveway, and that's how you have your vegetable garden rather than a raised bed or something, and the HOA just drives by and goes, uh-uh-uh, nope, just for the looks, you can't have it. Uh, I want to know. I want to know if some of you have just had headaches. 404 872 Not all HOAs are bad. I mean, seriously, like I do understand trying to maintain property value and all that kind of stuff. But just what is the craziest, wildest thing that an HOA told you that you you could or couldn't do or should do other than like, you know, yeah, your your paint on your siding is chipping and your mailbox doesn't match everybody else's. But I'm talking like gardening. If you're trying to be creative and original and that was kind of squelched a little bit, maybe just for uniformity's sake or because a neighbor complained. 404 Eight seven two zero seven fifty. So definitely, maybe an interesting topic to start us off this morning. And I want to go right to the phones first, and we'll talk to. Is it Sima, Sima, and Mableton? Hello, how are you? Great. How are you doing today? Oh, just fine, just fine. It's uh, sun all over the place. It's great. <laughs> so, how can I help? Well, I like rabbits, hares, and bunnies. I just like everything about them. I like the way they move their noses. I like how furry they are, and I like the way they move. That makes me think of an outcast song. I like the way you move. I like the way you move. So so bunnies are adorable, and when I leave early, early in the morning, six days a week, I usually scare three or four of them out of the yard when they see the headlights. But So are they advantageous in your yard because you enjoy the company, or are they starting to eat things, Sam? What are they doing? I would like to, I would like to encourage them to be in my garden, but uh, I see them around at the gas station by the shrubs, but they don't come into my garden. How do I encourage them to come into my garden. Well, do you have good coffee, like Racetrack or Quick Trip? I mean, maybe that's attracting them to the gas stations. 
<laughs> so, so we want the opposite of repelling rabbits. We would like to attract wildlife, and I love that idea. So we got to think, you know, maybe perennials are the way to go, Sam, sometimes, because let them eat the hostas. Let them eat, you know, the things that they may decimate for that year, but it's never going to be a fatal thing because you're like, oh, well, they ate the hostas this year. They'll come back next year, right? <laughs> And hollies, too. I've, I've heard that they don't mind hollies, which is kind of crazy because there's so many varieties <laughs> that have those spiny leaves. But that's interesting, right? Well, they're wildlife. Yeah. Yeah. And then just building like a, a friendly environment and places for them to hide if you have rock piles or log piles, you know, things like that. But on the flip side, I mean, that can attract chipmunks and, and rabbits, which we might want, but it also can attract snakes and things that you really got to look out for as well. I like chipmunks, too. They like peanuts and almonds. They do. They absolutely do. I, I buy rather expensive bird seed with nuts in it for the birds, and so much of it drops on the ground, and the chipmunks are just living in harmony under there with the uh, the ground feeder birds. You know, if the morning dove or the cardinals are down there, the chipmunks are right there. And chipmunks love hiding under the uh, like the cement foundation of your AC unit. Have you noticed that? Like, that's where they dig holes sometimes. They run in and out of my right around the AC unit outside. I don't know what the attraction is to that, but that's where they've always been. Uh, I have a que- another question for you. I guess I just thought it up, and then I'll uh, uh, hang up and wait for the answer. Okay. My, my question is, uh, it's kind of off the wall here. I have a question for you. Why do birds sing? I would like to think it's because they're happy, but we know that each, you know, species of bird can have up to my goodness seven eight nine different calls at least warning one another mating calls threatening situations you know where they're uh where they're letting each other know so sam that is really interesting uh, they sing for a number of reasons i guess just by the same token the way we yell or scream or whisper or laugh or you know make different uh, intonations with our voice so it's really always so relaxing for me to sit on the back deck and listen to the birds every now and then i'm fortunate enough to be able to hear an owl uh, but man the blue jays i can pick that sound out from from any other and also the woodpeckers as well i have a red-bellied woodpecker and i know his call as well and yeah sometimes it does sound like they're almost in a little more of a dangerous situation than a relaxing you know just kind of happy kind of tweet and chirp well sam i i love that all the things you're thinking about i'm going to do a little more research on maybe what could attract rabbits other than i mean the first thing i'm thinking is they eat hostas and so many people don't want them to um there are also different varieties of oaks i guess too along the lines like you said of different nuts and things like that different varieties of oaks they're going to drop those acorns not only the squirrels like them i mean the acorns will definitely be eaten by rabbits as well and the chipmunks will bury those right in your raised beds i have experienced that firsthand as well um southern magnolia i don't know i I don't know what part of the little cone type thing from the magnolia the rabbits may be attracted to but that's what i'm seeing here online so different ways to attract wildlife if you have any input on that for sam or i or 
an HOA horror story about your garden. 404-872-0750. Going to be back in less than five minutes with the top three things you need to do in the landscape this weekend. It's Ashley Frasca back with you on Green and Growing on WSB. All right, along for your Saturday morning, a weather update because you are dying to know. Brought to you by Finley Roofing. Yeah, we're going to have scattered showers and storms today, but there will be plenty of dry hours for us, at least according to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Humidity, you're going to feel it. You're going to wear it. It's going to be 90%. Sunrise occurs at 626. That is literally one minute and 18 seconds from now. So I'm looking over my shoulder out the window. High of 88 tomorrow, high of around 89, or high of 88 today, high of around 89 tomorrow. There's less chance for as many scattered showers tomorrow. Partly cloudy skies Sunday and into Monday. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So avoiding the mud, and the wet grass and all of that kind of stuff, there are some workarounds. And remember, when the weather is like this as well, um, disease and a lot of things in the vegetable garden and grass is brought on by, you know, very wet, moist conditions. So keep that in mind. If you're pruning things, if you're, you know, handling things in the vegetable garden with your gloves, just be careful to not really transfer one thing to another to another if you're using pruners or gloves. Just be mindful of that because you can carry any disease pathogens that are on one plant to another. Um, Can't really explain it any better than that, but just be mindful of that. Okay, so number one, collect seeds from foxglove stalks. Maybe if you had foxglove or you have a neighbor that did those beautiful tall flowers, scratch the soil around the plant, scatter the seed, and just cover it with a little bit of dirt. Water it occasionally. You're not going to need to this weekend, but seedlings that sprout this year will bloom next year, so you're already getting things ready. Number two, check your lawn for circular dead brown spots. A lot of you see that this time of year. Could be brown patch, but correct fertilization and watering practices before you reach for a fungicide. Uh, Just get ahead of it early using something like Bonide Infuse. Um, That's a liquid product. Systemic disease control. That works on plants and shrubs and roses and all of that. Um, And it also can work on you know, correcting brown patches is a disease in your lawn. Number three, pick okra and squash regularly. Those two in particular are important. Just one fully ripe fruit can actually halt blooming on the entire plant. So keep in mind. Uh, Jen from Tallapoosa, he called in, want to give him a shout out. Input on rabbits. Uh, when Sam was wanting to attract those lovely little furry creatures to his uh, yard. White clover, duh. That's brilliant, Jen. Thank you. Uh, White clover is definitely going to attract the bunnies. It's going to attract the bees. White clover, man, that is a great idea for a ground cover and a landscape. Again, if you just beat your head against a wall and you're not able to grow grass. Um, And hearing from Mickey Gasway as well, I put that challenge out for anybody that wants to call about HOA um, nightmares, you know, she had a friend or a pike customer. The HOA wouldn't allow them to cut down trees because they had a very shady yard. They're trying to get more sun. So obviously they had some integrity in wanting to maintain that tree canopy in the neighborhood. But they have to maintain a healthy lawn. That's impossible in dense shade, right? So keep in mind, some Bermudas, some Zoysias, fescues do well, but 
dense shade isn't isn't ideal. So, you know, if the HOA comes at you, Mickey suggests maybe having an alternate plan. You know, I'm not going to be able to grow this, but what if I try this? And you'll come across more knowledgeable. So kind of empower yourself before you, you have to battle that. All right, 628. We're going to watch the sunrise. We will be back, and we're going to talk with uh, my colleagues. It's going to be a laugh for you right here. Stay tuned to Green and Growing. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to Green and Growing. I'm really glad you're here on a Saturday morning. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. So for those of you that follow me on Facebook, you saw that I did something fun about a month ago. There's a picture of four very handsome gentlemen, if you will, from the WSB newsroom, and we kind of entered into a contest of sorts. So with me to follow up on said contest that began back around the middle of May, I've got Judd Hickenbotham from Atlanta's Morning News. Hello, Judd. Good morning. How are you? Chris <laughs> Camp, our news director for Hello WSB, there. tomato growing expert. Tad Lemire from the tra- Tad and Drex Morning Show on B98.5. Mark Aram's mask is loaded with makeup. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great observation. I You're love right. how you slipped into uh, adult contemporary voice right there. B98.5. Morning show. FM. And then Mark Aram, Hello. your favorite traffic reporter on Channel 2 Action News this morning and WSB Radio. So, Mark, I'll start with you. What did I con you guys into? What did I share with you about a month ago? Well, you know that guys are very competitive, especially the dudes in the newsroom. Um, so you you just had to throw out the gauntlet, the challenge, the tomato growing challenge. You gave uh, myself, Tad Judd, and Chris Camp a little baby tomato plant uh, with the idea that we'll each grow these. And I guess the the, the final tally will be who has the best-looking tomatoes off the plant. That's who wins the contest? I'll give it to whoever has tomatoes, period. (laughs) If there's any fruit that even resembles a tomato. And I don't want to steal credit. Now, this was Tad's idea because, Tad, you were just brilliant in the FM radio realm where you get people engaged and you think a contest and you want to hear their good stories. So you came up with this. And I still have yet to see your garden, by the way. Listen, this is I I only suggested it because I wanted a free tomato plant (laughs) and it worked. But I'll tell you, um, I remember growing some tomatoes and other vegetables. I had a container, an urban container garden years ago, and uh, nothing was coming of it. And so I went back to the to the store, to like a Pike Nursery or whatever, and I said, you know, my vegetables aren't growing. I don't understand. It's just not working. I'm just, I have a brown thumb. And they said, well, where are the containers located? Oh, no. I said, well, they're under a tree. And they were like, uh-huh, and how often are you watering them? Oh, and my face... Turn beet red, and and they were like, "Yeah, you want to mix in a little sunshine and water." (laughs) Something tells me that you've got the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Then (laughs) it's pretty abysmal. How's that son Sam? Do you remember to feed him and water him and let him get a little vitamin D every now and then? (laughs) So, Judd, you and your wife Jessica, you have had tomato plants for a number of years. But what's your number one enemy? Uh, number one enemy are the squirrels. There's no doubt about it. We we actually grow we grow plants every year, and the you know we actually do get tomatoes. And I got I got two kids, uh, four and a six year old. My six year old loves to run out there in the morning and see the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And half the time, 
there will be they'll either be disappeared or more times than not, actually you'll have a half eaten tomato Ew. sitting on our deck. <laughs> no, and it's that is that is what it is. We can grow them, we just can't keep them. We get we have very hungry squirrels apparently. Now, do they chew the stems at all, or you at least get the full plant? No. smart and wait for the fruit. Yeah, that's it. It's just the it's just the just the fruit. I mean, they just they have no reason to to have the stems. They just they just want what we want. I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, they're pesky. And Chris Camp, let me talk to you about your green thumb or maybe lack thereof i'm not even sure what is the camp household plant well the you know we have the uh, the tomato plant is out you know in a container in the back deck and i've been accused by my wife of spending more time looking after that plant <laughs> than anything else on the deck um you know the the basil and the uh, uh the parsley and the flowers and everything you know not getting quite the same attention as the tomato plant see this is a contest folks this gets serious when you enter a competitive nature like this with friends of yours family members and chris one thing that you've learned in this process of overseeing your tomato plant or any other vegetables or things on the back deck what have you learned yeah staying on top of watering um in fact you know you're supposed to what is it like an inch a week right yeah and i've also i as i also understand it you're also supposed to water like first thing in the morning and then early in the evening you're supposed to water twice twice a day very good that's uh that's 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 my rule of thumb i love it green as it is that's right (laughs) and watering deeply that way you're not doing just a little bit at a time you're watering at the base chris knows this tad not so much you know now you know now now judd in in your time of when you do get fruit and you do have a harvest yeah. how do you guys go about that well you harvest in the morning and the evening uh, you want to pick your almost ripe fruits just before a heavy rain if you can uh the rains can kind of cause cracking so we've all seen that right yes, the, yes. the tomato cracks at the top yes and the squirrels don't mind that but we actually do <laughs> yeah. that's right all right so tad uh, with your idea with this contest i know you have taken copious notes on your success oh yeah oh yeah what I've learned is uh, water, sunshine, and my wife pointed out, and I don't even know if this is true, but she said you plant like a uh, uh, basil or something that would go, you know, almost like you want to plant a tomato salad in the garden yes. altogether, and that the basil actually will detract, will take the bugs to be interested in the basil. Is that so correct? So smart. Yes. It, it detracts. It takes away nematodes. It kind of distracts them. Marigolds, things that flower, attract pollinators, which helps with the you know production of the fruit. Right. So Jessica's absolutely right. She gets and a, a BB gun for the squirrels. Yeah. I just learned that from Judd. That's Wait, terrible. who said Wait that? No. Just to, th- just to have it leaning <laughs> up against the fence, not to use it, you monster. One oh. of the most mortifying moments of my life involves said squirrel and a bb gun and it's not for air walter knows this was the most devastating moment of my life i'm not a murderer but we'll just leave it at that all right so mark and maya are going to keep this plant alive she's helping take care of it she's doing all of it yeah (laughs) she's out there watering and and taking care of it so what note did she leave for you as far as a tip well she told me to uh to tell the folks listening to remove sucker stems that grow out from the main stem i would not have known that uh thank you maya because this promotes good air flow, which of course reduces disease. You don't want disease on your tomato plant. That is so smart. What kind of stem was that again? It's a sucker stem. (laughs) Google it. Maybe she's trying to tell him something. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, when you have your your main stem that grows, you know, vertically, and you've got horizontal stems coming out, a sucker stem is going to be kind of coming at like a 45 degree angle. It's just unnecessary. It's just extra leaves, extra stems. So we want the energy to go into more 
um, confined places to produce the fruit. How would you know that there's not a tomato waiting to grow on the sucker stem? Like, how do you know that tomatoes are going to come from a stem or not? If you pinch the sucker out early, you'll get it before it has flowers on it. But if it has flowers, you can leave it or you can just do away with it. You'll still get production in other parts of the plant. It's funny. I asked that question as if my plant will ever produce one tomato. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> See, the standards for this, the bar is set very low. For hey, the... this is radio. It's theater of the mind. <laughs> yeah, this, I've got right. one. The size of the state fair. It looks like a giant <laughs> yeah. pumpkin. Guinness Book of World Records here. Come to Marietta, Georgia. So the time-honored tradition, too, I learned this, of lining up your garden's best fruit along a sunny windowsill to help it ripen. Maybe not necessarily the best way to ripen it. How would you guys guess that you may want to speed up that process instead? Ooh. Ooh. You don't like put it in a paper bag. Oh my gosh, Chris Camp. A loosely closed paper bag is a better solution. I didn't know. I've heard that with avocados. Yeah. I'm so far behind on all the, all this knowledge. This is right? you guys are really impressive. I'm me. supposed to put my tomato plant in a paper bag when it looks close to ripe, when it's a reddish orange. Huh. Yeah, because that that way, the less time you leave it outside, the less risky it is for something else to get to it that well, you don't want to get to. You're talking about it. the picked tomato. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't put the whole plant in a paper bag. I was like, <laughs> what about the sunshine? <laughs> she thought oh. you meant the whole plant. No, I'm. <laughs> wow. Aaron and I are not winning. I this am thing. so winning this contest. <laughs> I'm really glad we had this conversation today, gentlemen. This is going to help you along. Okay, so. Everybody, give me kind of a gauge of how high your tomato plant is, how tall it is at this point. You've heard of Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Not close. <laughs> I'm at about eight and a half inches, I think. Okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Mine's three or four inches. It's it's getting there, but it's nowhere. <laughs> Poor Judd. I am not going to comment because this will be taken out of context. There, there will be no rulers taken out or anything like that. So we'll just take y'all's word for it, okay? Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you guys getting conned. Ashley is as bright as a tomato right now. You know, we should circle back and see who's got the best tomato sauce at the end of this. Oh, oh nice. Oh. Bob Palante. Now, Judd cooks, so you could do that. I, I've never made my own tomato. I just I go right to Kroger. They call yeah. it gravy up north. Yeah, they do call yeah. it gravy, don't they? I'm married to an Italian. Maybe John could. We'll see. All right, guys. Well, this has been awesome. I'm going to check back with you guys, as as Chris Camp said. We'll circle back. We'll go around the tomato cage, maybe in another month or so, and see who actually has flowers, A, and then fruit, B. Yes. If WSB still has a license from the FCC (laughs) when this is over, please have us back. So much fun. I appreciate you guys jumping in on a Saturday morning. We'll be talking to you. I don't know. Okay, you guys need to leave the studio. I don't even know how we held that conversation together. All right, get out. Mark it out. That was great. Thank you so much. So y'all are just dying to know. So we we definitely have to keep in touch with these four. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Tad. Thanks to Judd. And thanks to Mark and Maya. They're all trying. They're trying their hardest. And uh, along the way, throughout the summer, if you have advice for them, too, feel free to share. 404-872-0750. All right, before we take a break, I want to jump out uh, to Rockdale County and say good morning to Chris and Conyers. Thanks for hanging on, Chris. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you. Yourself? Yes, perfect. So how can I help you today? Maybe a septic tank question? Exactly. Um, I had a... um septic tank pump um, on Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to uh, get that grass growing back. It's Bermuda, of course. And I just need the quickest way I can get that grass growing. All right. So how much damage was done to the area that they had to work in? 
Um, I, I want to say probably uh, a perennial of about, uh, well, maybe 10 feet to 15 feet. Okay. In the square. Okay. Yeah, I know that can be kind of detrimental. Uh, so we want to get that back. So the good news for you with Bermuda grass is now is a good time to sod. So you're going to be able to find Bermuda sod anywhere. May, June, and July, the hot summer months are ideal to do that. So that would be the best thing. Go ahead and lay that sod down. You know, really make sure it stays watered very well when we're not having bouts like we did this past week of rain. And you'll be good to go. Um, it's also, you know, possible to, to seed as well, but your quickest result is going to be seen by laying sod. Sounds good. I guess that's the, that was the case. I was trying to go the cheaper route by just uh, buying some seed and maybe mixing it with a little uh, topsoil. You can absolutely do that. Yeah, and I would say, you know, obviously very good seed-to-soil contact is so important so the seed really gets in the soil and it has a chance to germinate and not blow away, wash away, all that kind of thing. So typically, you know, when you are seeding grass, you want to aerate first. But honestly, that soil is already going to be so well-worked from the disruption and that soil is really good, nutritious soil because it is in a septic field. So it's got a lot of microorganisms and things working around in it. So seed is probably going to take pretty quickly as well. If you had Bermuda there before, then obviously it's getting the right, you know, required sunlight and all that. Bermuda is going to require more sun than, say, a fescue or something like that. So again, with seeding as well, you know, watering is going to be on you about an inch a week to make sure that seed is able to germinate. But that would be the cheaper route. and You can definitely do that. Sounds good. I really do appreciate your time. Yes, thank you. Good luck to you, Chris. I'm glad you called about that. What a good time. I always really feel better about giving you good news rather than, oh, no, now's not the time to do that. No, perfect. Seed or sod for Bermuda, go ahead and do it. All right, when we come back, talking to Judy out in Snellville, gall on the pecans. So what she's seeing and how to go about combating that. And your calls, 404-872-0750. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. I think this is a Paula Abdul song. I don't really know. Maybe not. No. Maybe it's a rock song. Okay. Yeah. No. But Paula Abdul had something that sounded eerily similar to this in the 90s. DeMarco's rocking it over there. All right. 6.53. Time for a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Scattered showers, storms today, but there are periods of dry hours for us. 90% humidity. It's going to be 88 degrees tomorrow, a similar today, a similar high tomorrow. Less chance for rain, partly cloudy skies Sunday and Monday. So want to take some calls. And also coming up at the top of the hour, I'm really glad Chris called about uh, Bermuda grass and what to do with it now if you've got bare spots, if you've got spots that have been disrupted. Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, turf grass expert right here on this show. You've heard Clint on with me a number of times. We're going to chat at 7 o'clock, and I'm going to ask him to maybe elaborate on that for you, Chris, and also some other things to be on the lookout for right now, maybe why zoysia grass is a little stunted, why things may not be coming out of dormancy as quickly, all these things that they've really noticed there on the research campus through the University of Georgia uh, in the Griffin area. But yes, as promised, we're going to hear from Judy out in Snellville. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. So what are you seeing on your pecans? Kind of weird, right? Uh, the pecan leaf gall. It's a pretty bad infestation. Okay, so for those of you who have never seen leaf gall, it is the weirdest thing. It is definitely little protrusions on the leaves and, and pecans that can also be on the limbs and the twigs as well. 
it's like warts almost on the leaf, a yeah. big raised thing. And uh, that, those are little aphids and the way they go through their life cycle and lay eggs and all of that kind of thing. So how long have you noticed that, Judy, on the pecans? Uh, about a week. Okay. So you're still at a point where you can get ahead of it because there are insecticides. And at this point, it's like treating once a year, every year to get ahead of that. Um, but the most ideal time and in the right point of their life cycle to do that is between bud development, like where the leaves are just starting to open, you know, which was at the beginning of the spring, and early leaf expansion. So in that time before the leaves completely unfurl. Um, right now, you can pick off the affected leaves before it gets to the limbs and the twigs and all of that kind of stuff. But um, bad infestations can lead to dieback and also just reducing the growth rate of the plant overall. So um, go to go to a local nursery there, Judy, and kind of talk to them about right now maybe what uh, what kind of contact insecticides may be possible, but it's a little trickier than that. Um, for sure, wanting to get ahead of the infestation, for sure. So whenever we see leaf galls, and it can also make a disappearance on camellias and azaleas as well, um, right now just removing the infected leaves and throwing them away, not discarding them under the plant or nearby, but actually removing them from the area before the gall matures, and that's the insect in that little bump, um, or it can go airborne, spreading disease and things like that. So being on the lookout for swollen leaves, for these protrusions on the leaves, um, and hopefully you'll get to it before it goes from the leaves to the stems and the twigs and all of that. And you know what, Judy, too? I am talking to Walter Reeves um, live at 730, and we're going to be talking about insecticides. So I'm going to write that down to question him about, you know, exactly what insecticides. It is it is an aphid um, that is affecting that, causing that gall. So that may be a good start when you're looking at insecticides, kind of what to buy and how to properly target it. But it's a little tricky because, like I said, you're having to get at them at the right stage in their development. So if you'll stay tuned for another little bit and stay with us this morning, that will be my first question for Walter Reeves is insecticide and proper use to treat leaf gall because the cause of that is is insect infestation. So thank you for the call. We're going to be back with uh, Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia and any lawn care issues you may be seeing. I don't think we'll have time for him to take your calls, but go ahead and let us know if you have any burning questions, just something that doesn't seem right. And we were talking about brown patch earlier in the hour as well. That's a disease that's going to impact some lawns. But we've had so much dry weather and then all of a sudden this deluge of rain. So that can't be good for diseases maybe brought on in lawns. We're going to talk to Clint Waltz about that here in just a little bit. You're listening to Green and Growing. We'll be right back on 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.